0: your phone down on today's whack attack episode Alan and i are talking about what it's like going into business with a family member and a close friend we talk about a lot of things we think are important we cover off on traits and characteristics of the person what it takes to start up a, a like a corporate business and the operations agreements that you should think about and what you should put in place Then we talk about a bunch of our experiences over the last 15 years, and we give you guys just a lot of insight and what we've uh, come across in our business and how you can use it to start up a business with your family member or friend. Stay tuned. I'm Alan coming out of my shell today. Welcome to the Wack Attack Podcast, where I'm going to talk about being in business with my twin brother, what it's like to start a business with... Your family member, also Wally will be on here at some point. We'll talk about you know starting it with a friend, right? yep, yep, and uh, and I'm Curtis Morty, <laughs> and I never had a shell. Let's go <laughs> <laughs> And uh, if were, we are were busting out of your ears right now and you're uh, turning us down, well, you know, we're going to stay this tone, so keep it right about there. Uh, a little bit about us and our background. Uh, we've done you know three businesses together. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think life's a little bit different and interesting for us. We're twins. It has, and, I, and I'll say right? three businesses, but we've learned to make money together since the day we were born. So the first way we learned to make money was, we're rolling ar- around our uh, flyer wagon, collecting <laughs> people's newspapers and recycling newspapers. Then it was uh, cans. Yep. And then it was collecting Christmas trees for five dollars. We basically yep, we used to drive around with our dad, and one of us, uh, both of us, would be in the back of the truck, and we slap on the truck. You see a Christmas tree. Somebody's on the side of the house. Walk up, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, ring you the know, doorbell. If it was a lady, hi, we're picking up Christmas trees for $10. If it was guy, hi, we're picking up Christmas trees for 5 bucks. Because you know, the, the cute factor went down when yeah. the dude answers the yeah, door. Yeah, exactly. When right. the lady answers the door, that cute factor, you, you just shine it on up. <laughs> yeah, you right? do. Yeah, and you're you know, 8, 9, 10 years old, and our dad had a, a truck with a rack on it so he could really stack the trees in there. And I think one time we had an enclosed trailer, so we were able to yep. do it a lot. So we used to hustle people for a couple hundred mm-hmm. bucks, a and pop. Our, and our, and da- and our dad-, dad would hustle us. Yeah. So you got my yeah. time and gas and a Insurance. And yeah. So he taught us a lot, a lot he, about you he know taught us business. About how, how to run a business. It costs money to make money, which is for 100%. reals. And then you know working for other people. We've always worked together at the various jobs we've had. We worked at Sonic together. We worked at a restaurant together. And we yeah. started the business together. We then, at Sunrise Natural Foods, but not together. Yeah, I worked Just there. Different for, I worked there for three weeks. and It was silly. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we you know we worked with our father, who's a general contractor. So we basically worked in the trades. While we are teenagers, so, so I guess you could say we're experts in working with family members in business yes. because we, uh, our dad had us on the job. We've been hustling uh, you, I, and our older brother Mike, and then you and I have had a bunch of businesses together. But I mean, even before we started our business, I mean, we also used to just push the lawnmower around the neighborhood and people who had the long that was another thing, the yeah. long weeds. And yeah. We were like, hey, we'll mow your we'll mow oh, your line, lawn for twenty bucks, bucks yeah, right? Whatever it was. And so we were always constantly hustling and, uh, you know, trying to make a buck. And that interlaced into morphics. Why don't you tell me about that? Yeah, it is. Uh, You know, quick shout out to Alan. We we played paintball, traveled around the United States playing. Uh, Alan got into it. He was the last of the brothers to get into it. And this guy traded a basic gun. Up to like three really advanced guns. I'll never forget He <laughs> like did the swaps with people. I'm like, hey, that was uh that was a pretty entrepreneurial move of you there, hustling people. You're like, you you ended up like eight hundred bucks ahead. I like three making trades. deals. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah. making deals. Yeah. So, you know, we'll kind of fast forward here into our first business, which was a, like a Linux hosting based business. Wally and I started that we were young in high school. And that kind of was a, a secondary stem out of Wally's first like successful b- business venture that wasn't with us, and then that that fall- was basically just like middlemanning hosting before cloud es- essentially, That's and basically just all it was. you know w- some of Wally's parents and his contacts and things like that needed websites, and Wally was like building sites, and we just I, we'd known Wally forever. Right. We basically before. built websites and web hosting in the world of Drupal, pre- you know, yeah. like WordPress is just coming around. It's like. 2005, 2006, 2007, sometime right around in there. And, um, you know, what I can say, though, is where we got really lucky about um, working and being, you know, and starting a business with family member and friends. Yeah. We had youth and the luxury of time on our side, hundred percent, and no responsibilities, and zero responsibilities. So it was a lot of fun, and so we were just hanging out with our friends. Obviously, you were my best friend, hanging out with Wally, and we were just figuring out ways to make money. Especially, we called it, you know, the, the internet hustle. We weren't okay. hustling people for money, but we were hustling to try to figure out how we can make a business with the internet. Yeah, and our Friday nights were watching YouTube videos and doing things. And I remember that I learned when I was learning how to program, I like learned how to do an authentication login area. Yep. And php and i stayed up all night like <laughs> so building we, something yeah, yeah so we did a lot of these things um but i i would say you know we've now been in the business you wally and i have been in a business together for shit. almost uh, uh, almost 16, 13 years almost 13 years actually we, if you if you if you talk about us being incorporated about 13 years yeah working together over 15. yeah Coming yeah. up on yeah coming up on on uh, um, that 15th complete year going on 16, yeah, right, yep uh, and so uh, a lot of lessons that we've learned over the years, you know I think I think it's very good to say this. Um, the lines between business and the lines between uh, pleasure or you know personal time, they Not- become blurred. Uh, In our case, non existent. Yeah. And uh, is that challenging? Yes. Can you attempt to set boundaries? A hundred percent. Yes, you can. But the reality is, there's really no boundaries that are going to define every situation. And if you're, you know, considering going in business with a family member or a friend, that's the first thing you got to basically ask yourself is, am I okay? with either my personal relationship with this person or my business relationship with this person. Dwindling. Either dwindling or going away or one overtaking the other. It, right? or, or, and also consider what happens if the business fails? Does your f- like friendship and your relationship also fail at the same point in time? Like these are the things that a lot of people, I'm not saying they should consider them, but these are possible risks when you go into business with a family member or a close friend. But on the flip side with that, It's wild if you have great success. And it's also super motivating to make sure you don't fail because it's not like, not only are you letting yourself and the other, your people, whomever around you around are down, but, you know, if you're going into business with a family member or you're going to business with a friend and you're not trying to fuck somebody, you know, in relation to being a bad business partner, um, it's extra motivating to not also let them down, right? Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, that that tribe that you have to take care of is bigger. And so that responsibility weighs a little bit heavier. So you, you take things a lot more seriously. Um, so I think that there, although there's a con there, there's definitely, you know, a little bit of a pro in terms of the motivation. There is a pro. I and mean, you got to make sure that the people that you're going into business with, right, they also have that same motivation. It, it, the, the like-mindedness, not in terms of you and personalities, but the like-mindedness in terms of direction and approach and, you know, desire to like, hey, at the end of the day, it comes down to revenue. What are we doing to make revenue and things of the sort? I think that you said something very important, which was, hey, the lines are going to get blurred. A lot of times the lines get blurred because of opportunities that you have to make money or opportunities that you have to make revenue. And a lot of times those come from new, new arenas that you might not have thought you could have made money in. Services or products that you need to offer, or, or a new relationship a comes new, over a and it's a hot opportunity. But you're at a barbecue with the family on the weekend, exactly. And so instead of talking about drinking beer and beer pong or whatever else, what the kids are doing, you're yeah. sitting there hypothesizing, a game you know went? how how are we going to close this deal on Tuesday? Exactly, and and that's really what it turns out to be is is like even when you're hanging out with that person in good faith to like do something fun, work comes up. And especially if your passion is also your job and your business, that's what's going to be on your mind. You're gonna be thinking about these things. Hopefully you're sleeping well. But when you wake up, like if you're like a lot of other entrepreneurs, your mind is turning on Yep, what is the next thing I need to do? What are the what are the steps I need to make? Where where do I need to make adjustments in what we're doing? And this is another thing I I, I really wanna bring up here. When you go into business with a family member or friend, we're not talking nepotism. We're talking calculated decisions because yes. it's not all bad. I mean, we've been doing this for, like I said, you know, in the next couple of years, we're going to be approaching two decades, right? And, uh, you know, that that speaks volumes for itself. I think there's a lot of folks out there that can talk like, oh, you know, I've been in business with the family of our best friend. you are like, oh, well, how long have you been in business? Oh, a year or two, two years, yeah. three years, you know. Or how much money do you make? Yeah, And they're like, and, well, I make enough money to get by. Yeah, 30, uh, 40 grand. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, fuck off, yeah. right? Um, you know, we, Can you scale a business? Yeah, can so you talk seven figures and then go from seven figures to eight figures? Exactly. And we've then, passed that mark, and now we're doing this for, you know, we've been doing this for two years. Almost two, you know, on, on our second decade. We're right? in the middle, the middle part of the second decade. Yeah. Yes. And so my point here is, when you are considering this, this is not just like your friends and family or whatever else. This is this is saying, can you do it? Yes. So what should you consider if you are making the decision or you're leaning towards yes? The first thing I look at is discipline. You were obviously one of the most disciplined people I knew. Why is discipline important in my mind? Discipline's important because you're really looking for consistency day in and day out. Because if the lines are blurred between work and between your personal life, you need to have a level of consistency with whomever the person is, whether it's friend or family that you're running the business with, because there's... Comfort and structure and consistency and to be no, consistent no, 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 is the, discipline. Because you, you know what? You're... Comfort and structure. I would say there's structure, but I wouldn't agree that there's comfort. Okay, I I I like knowing comfort aligns with lack of discipline, in my opinion, in okay. my viewpoint in life. See, I, I, I maybe it's confidence. Those word that I'm going for, you know, here, there's for me. It gives me a lot of confidence in knowing that there is the consistency due to the discipline, and okay. that is what makes it really important in my mind. The other thing that I feel like is incredibly important outside of discipline is domain expertise. You do not want to go into business with somebody who has the same skills you do because you will argue, bicker, fight, et cetera, right? Because especially if you both have that drive. There, there, there could be some obvious exceptions to this rule. Like, for example, let's say you have like a landscape company or a tile company, and you run a crew, and your brother runs a crew, and you guys are like that's the business together. Sure, you know what? Like, that might work. But in a lot of other cases, don't have the same skills. If sets. you are both working together the same day and you have, or you're on the you on the same on a place, daily basis, doing the same, same thing, exactly. It's unless. It, it, So let's throw – I don't want to throw, like, absolutes here and bounds of, like, what can and can't be. No, we're throwing high-probability situations. If you both have the same skill sets, you should be taking a huge look at that and going, is is, this going to be a problem in the future? Because guess what you also have to be looking at? uh, What are the things you're bad at? Yeah, yeah. I think that in in talking about having the same skill sets, there's – you mentioned, hey, discipline. That's what I was going to start with. I think the next thing – and this is in in no particular order – humility. Humility goes a long way. So for example, if you have two people that are really good at the same thing, if they both have an expert level of humility where they can recognize when they're wrong and acknowledge when they're wrong and do something differently, I think that two really smart people with the same skill sets can actually become better, right? Because they are able to ebb and flow and work with each other. Where I think something like that falls apart is if your biases are the same. If your biases are the same, then you're both inherently biased. Like like for example, in the world of software engineering, this is why being a one-man band when it comes to developing software, it, it's a good thing because you can move really quickly. It's a bad thing because you, your your whole code base is riddled with your own biases. Like you have nobody else's thoughts and opinions going into this thing. So I think that if you have humility that you can go ahead and you could actually work better, that might be the edge use case where hey, things do work. But if you have a lot of biases, that would be another variable to consider. Where if you are both in alignment with your biases, then you may miss something. That's a great point. Uh, I could not agree with that more. And when you look at the biases and the skill sets and everything else, I you know I think about it as you know what's your working relationship going to be. You know we just mm-hmm. discussed the dimensions of your working relationship, and what I think we've done a really good job of, especially working together. You have the things that you do, and when stuff comes up, I go. All right. So what's what's the call? And there's things that I do that are in the same circumstance. And there's also areas of the business that Wally's in, which are the same circumstance. That is what keeps the business functioning is we each have our areas of domain and expertise. And that's where we get to contribute our individual skill sets, our individual leadership, our individual confidence, confidence into those. Mm hmm. And then, you know, collectively as a group, you know, we get to decide on some, you know, bigger picture strategic things. And I think that that has been part of the reasons why we've been really wildly successful with this so far. Um, It has not come without challenges, though. Yeah. to, To add to that, I think we did the one thing that you have to do right, which is you have to have the domain expertise and you have to know when to not answer all the questions or just delegate when you're talking to somebody and say, hey, you know, we have this person or like if. If somebody wanted to talk to me about something that, you, that you're knowledgeable about, I should know what it is, but I shouldn't necessarily know how it's done. I should be able to talk to them about what it is, and then, boom, insert Alan here and, like, let you come in and back clean up. We did that really well with you, me, and Wally with the love triangle we have with domain expertise and skill sets and running the business and things of the sort. I think there was a lot of other things that we had to really learn the hard way on that we just – by by always having a – all for one and one for all mentality mentality. We've all taken a turn in the box where we've been wrong. We've all taken a turn where we've messed up. We've all taken a turn where we've shined and we've all just absolutely knocked some things out of the park. And going through those repetitions of successes and failures, we've identified that. I think the next big thing is communication. Do you know how to communicate with each other? And do you know how to read each other? So that a level of emotional intelligence along with the ability to communicate is really important. If you can't articulate your ideas to the people you are in business with or you can't have a tough conversation with the people you're in business with without or I'm sorry, and you get away from being objective where it turns into an attack or things of the sort, that's going to be very much to your detriment. Um, You also need to have the emotional intelligence to understand when is the right time to deliver a message and just be reading people. People have bad days. Something goes on at home. They might be frustrated about some issue with the client or something. Or job. they got a busy fucking day. Or they're tired, right? There's yeah. all of these things come up. And so while lack of progress, right, will kill a lot of things. And you always, as a business owner, you always want to be progressing. But sometimes you have to know that, like, I've done enough for today. And it's time to pack it in for the day. And I need to prepare for tomorrow. And I'm not saying, you know, just kick the can further on down the road. I'm saying strategically pick your battles and your communications and, and, you know, productive argumentation. Pick those things to do at the right time. I think that's a great point. I think that is absolutely a key consideration as well. Um, I think the piece that you touched on there that I'd I'd like to dive more into is the – you know, not only the the being, uh, God, what is the word? Having the humility, mm-hmm. right? But also, I believe that the person who's on the receiving end of it should have thick skin. If sensi- if uh, whoever you're considering getting in business with is sensitive to a degree, and sensitive is not a very important part of. I wish I had a soundboard so I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> stop <pump laughs> of, the, the of the job role. Yeah. Or. Camera two went out. Oh, shit. Hit pause. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's a really great point that you have there with the humility piece. But I also feel like when you're in business with a family member or a friend, you have to make sure that they have a a, a thick skin. I think that that is very important. As you're telling me about your feelings right yeah, now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. But I think that's really important because... Inevitably, you are going to be in crunch time, a busy situation, etc. Yes, and you know things aren't going to go down perfectly. Like it, you know, and there's not going to be a counselor session at the end of it to figure it out all the time because you're going to be in a crunch time whether you got a, a production you got to hit yep. or whether you got service delivery or whatever. So the ability to sort of just, you know, brush stuff off and shake stuff off, I think is really important because like you said earlier, you know, sometimes people just have bad days, you know, and, and there there's a host of reasons why somebody could be having a bad day. And yeah. you know what? It could just be like, hey, they're stressed out at work and they said something that they didn't need to say. And you know what? Just because we did that doesn't mean they don't like me or doesn't mean that we're not, you know, family members who love and respect each other. It just means that that person has a bad day. And so... You know, if there is a, a, a shared level of sort of being thick skin, these are some of the things that I think are actually really good about family members and working with them. Because if you have a good rapport with family members, usually you'll have a little bit of a thicker skin and stuff doesn't tend to bug you as much. And I have to say, like, while it will be challenging to work together because the lines are blurred, that this is also another one of the pros that's, you know, really great about it. Because you and I have been working with each other for God, so long now, you know, almost two decades that we have actually been working together and we're only 32. Yeah. Right. And no, no, wrong. wrong. Yeah. Almost 32. No, no. You just said, right. I just said wrong. <laughs> okay. Left. <laughs> but, uh, my point here to that was, you know, it, sometimes you're like, Hey, Alan, dude, you, uh, you, you got to fix some stuff or you got to correct that. Or, you know, I say that and I'm like, okay, cool. I know like this isn't coming from a bad place. This is just us talking business. He's he's right. Like we need to go do this. It wasn't weaponized. It was purely just like a hey, crit- constructive criticism. Exactly, and I think those are really important pieces. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. I think that the to add to that, if somebody says something to you that you don't like, or or your family member, or, or somebody you're in business with, don't don't uh, worry about that. You don't like it. Maybe ask them, hey. What what are you actually trying to say? Because a lot of times people are delivering a message, and the first time they deliver the message, they fail to deliver the message they're trying to say. We've all done it. I've been there. You've been there. 100%. Wally's been there. A lot people that are listening. I feel like everybody's been here. There's been a time where, listen, we all can't be perfectly calculated every time we tell somebody something. We could strive to be that way, but we're going to make a mistake at some point in life. It, to, to err is to be human, right? It's going to happen to you at some point in time. So when somebody says something like that to you. If you can recognize it like, hey, that thing presses my buttons, instead of allowing it to press your buttons, you just say, hey, you know, I, I understand what that you just told me something. I don't quite think I interpreted it correctly. Can you just tell me what you're trying to what you want or what you're trying to do in different words? Or maybe it, if you recognize that they're kind of attacking you a little bit because they're having a bad day or something of the sort, you can just say, hey, you know what? let's give this another try but this is also where it's really fun being family and friends because you can go hey curtis you're a fucking asshole <laughs> you well, can't say that to employees Alex, these days. stop being a bull in a china shop <laughs> and just picking up shit and starting to run with it it's like dude those are nice put <laughs> so, them down and so stop there, there are there is yeah. some benefit to that right and, and and if you have some of those features and those traits i so think i think it works you know really well yeah um uh, because I don't think it's impossible to run uh, a business with family. Um, you know, it's the, friend, not. the friends it's can not. get challenging, but the, you know the family. I I, w- I would lean uh, towards if you were you know wanting to get into a preference with that you level know, the, of trust too. I think the trust is really. That's important. why I said the friend thing because it yeah. it takes a longer period of time to establish a level of trust that you need uh, with a friend than with a family member, right? Because usually it's sort of implicit. You know, it's been there for a long time. Um, so yeah, let's, you know, let's, blood let's is talk about the water. Let's talk about the trust. So you know, we've known Wally since we're four. Wally's basically like my brother from another mother. Um, you, when you are in a business with somebody, it's a very intimate relationship. 100%. I know that I know how much that person's getting paid. I know how much they make. I know their finances because when you go get loans and things of the sort, guess what? You have to have. I am going to end up seeing their bank accounts, like all of your dirty laundry. It gets has, aired. It gets aired. <laughs> it gets aired. Whether you like it or not, at some point. And, 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 like, if you run a smaller business and you're not getting loans and things, that's fine. If you're trying to scale a business, all of this stuff's going to come out. Yep. All of Without it. Without any doubt. I mean... And it, and and, it, you, and you, you know what else is going to become really interesting? And I and I don't think a lot of... I think a lot of folks either don't know this or they discount it. But all your relationships get intertwined. All of them. All of them get your, intertwined. Your wife's relationships and your relationships, like... Like you inadvertently date the other person's wife because you work together. And now you're semi responsible for not only making sure that they have good, solid well-being, but now you're also a person that, you know, they can come to like, hey, you know, he's having some issues or she's having some issues. Right. And so now you're in that inner circle because, right. All the I won't say dirty laundry, but, you know, the kimono has been opened. Right. So now everybody's where. So now you're in that trusted circle. So now their circle is bigger. So now you're part of their resource group that they go to, and so if you have that success in running a business, together, that's also something that you know you have, you have to consider. You had to consider, and so that was also the real struggle for my wife. You know, when she was like, "Wait, I'm dating you, but you know, they come along, yeah. <laughs> right?" That's what do you mean? Yeah. I love your wife; she's great. Yeah, that's it. it was a very oh. uh, interesting. Um, it was a very interesting time to get through. Like, hey, I'm a package deal. Not in a relationship way, but in a way of like my life is basically their life. So It got stamped in your brain in like fifth grade when you got played for kickball. You're like, "Curse and I are a package deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, a, it's a really good point. On the other side of that is like, hey, you, you mentioned you're going to open the kimono and, and everything's going to be out there for, for the people you're in business with to see. It's also equally the case. Like, hey, if you get in business with your brother or your best friend or something, what happens if their household implodes? If they go through a nasty divorce or something happens or God forbid they lose a child or things of the sort. You have to be prepared for those situations because that's a lot of times where you see a lot of people like sever businesses or one person buys the other out, or yep. like you don't want a spouse, like if you have a corporation, I'm not I'm not giving you legal advice or any th- structure or thing like that, but something to think about is like what happens if they don't have a prenip? And somebody goes through a divorce, and now the assets are split. And, I, I, I correct. And, and, and so this is something to consider. So you might be getting in business. If you're getting in, in business together- With your brother's b- ex-wife. B- before, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that never happened to us. I just yeah. want to put that out there. Um, but if you're getting into business before you're married, absolutely, right? Yeah. The premarital agreement should be a thing, and you can specify just the assets you know that you'd like to protect. Buy, and, and again, not a, not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. This is just my personal opinion and my Let's just make it a trifecta. It's not financial advice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But on the flip side, if you're already married and you go into business, because there's a lot of folks out there who do do that, what you can do is in your operating agreement, right? And so make sure in your operating agreement, you know, if you go start a company from LegalZoom, you're not going to get this stuff, okay? You have to consult a lawyer. You have to consult the internet. And you have to look up operating agreements. And when you look up operating agreements, what I think is really, really, really important is – you really need to make sure that you have specificity in there to the buy-sell portions or so you can have a buy-sell agreement, and that pretty much specifies that in the case of death, disability, divorce, et cetera, dissolution, right, the forties. in the case of divorce- Not four D, the four if, Ds. If you have to split the stock between uh, a, a shareholder and a, par- a party who was their previous spouse, The company has the right to buy that first. So that company buys it from the person who owns the stock originally, and then the the person who owns the stock originally pays out the spouse. So what happens is then you never introduce somebody that you are never intending to go into business with. And that is so incredibly important to touch on here when you are considering going into, friend- going into business with your family and friends. And I think we're sort of transitioning into the, you so know, the second half rewind, of the show. Rewind a second here. So for people that are just wanting to start a business and they're wanting to make money, Correct. chances are they're not going to think about any of that stuff. They might not have funds to do those things. I'm not going to give people advice on how to do this, but you should always have this in the back of your mind, and you should have this conversation with the person you're going into business with, family member, or, before you or even go into business. Before you even go into business, and, and you may also have to consider if they're already married. Like, like what's their marriage like? You might have to calculate some things beyond just the person. And that's where I said yeah. the lines between it's blurred business and it's work blurred. become incredibly let me come back blurred. To my, let me come back to my point here. So you might not have the the wherewithal, whether that be you know, the financial backing when you start your company or the the revenue or the things of the sort. But as you grow your company, there needs to be a point where that becomes considered, right? Maybe put it in your line item one year and have a budget for it where you're accounting for those funds, where eventually at the end, by the time you have a pile of money or something of the sort, you can achieve those things. That is very important to protect your business. And, you know, most businesses fail within the first three years. So maybe don't do those things right out of the gate, Wait no, I disagree 100 percent with you so no, no no just hold on a second what I'm saying is depending on where your business is starting from that's that's a very big a big difference in place if you want if you have money to invest to start up your business, you may want to do these things straight out of the gate. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you can't do that what I am saying is you should have you, the conversation about these things and then you should also put it in writing because I would recommend yeah well, Alan, because hold, on, Alan, hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on let me just say this. We have never done anything to screw the other person. No. Period. There's no no debate about that. And what you and Wally and I went through when we actually got an attorney that was uh, one of the best there is, period. I don't mean to go out Trump on it, but it's the greatest. He's the greatest. Okay. Of all time, if not ever. <laughs> yeah. You can see my hand movement if you're on YouTube. Uh, but my point is... He's great. He's great, great guy. I love him. My, Snoop D-O-double-G. I love him. I mean, my attorney. I love him. Yeah. So uh, John, our attorney, pretty much sat the three of us down and said like... Stormy Daniels, it wasn't me. <laughs> he pretty much said, hey, this is basically a hot effing mess. Yeah, it was. And What we learned through going with him all and like getting our corporate books cleaned up and taking care of everything because we had some initiatives we needed to do and that needed to be actually in the legalese of our, you know, of our corporate books and everything else. That's how this all came to purview. The thing is, is the operating agreement and the buy sell agreement are so important. Yes. Because the operating agreement and the buy sell agreement basically specify how you're going to run the company, it specifies how you're going to run the finances it specifies how you're going to handle all of the legal things of operating the company it specifies how you're going to deal with ownership of the company and you know how you were to ever you know buy in or buy out these are the things and I, this is why I totally disagree with you this these are the things that you need to have done and discussed up front so first thing is, before you invest any time, energy, and effort in figuring out the buy-sell agreement or the operating agreement, it's what we talked about earlier. It's you know sort of yeah. the traits of what a good partner looks like who's a family member or a friend. And then once you've gotten to that point, you said, you know what, I think this could work. I think this could go somewhere. Then you need to start sitting down and you need to go over the legal aspect of it. Because like I said, if you just go to legal zoom. Legal Zoom, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. But if you just go to Legal Zoom, but your stuff's not—they're not, it, not going to get it's you. It's not drawn out to the way it yeah. needs to be drawn out to protect people. It's, it, it, it exactly, yeah. and so you have to go and you have to either do your homework or you have to go consult a professional and get it in your operating, get in, get in your buy sell agreement because a lot of the things that a prenuptial agreement does to protect a business, a buy sell agreement can also do, and an operating agreement can also do. Perfect. I think that's a great segue. What I was saying is like, look, if you're young and you're starting a business with your friend or your family member, and you don't have a ton of money, I think the first thing, like, know that you need to do these things and have it in the back of your head. You should have a backlog of of what you need to do to make your business more professional, to make a better posture for your business, and to scale your business, 100%. So what I'm saying for them is, like, know that you need to do this thing and maybe have discussions about these things and get everybody on the same page. But if you don't have the funds to do it, You know, I said businesses fail in the first three years because maybe you have to prove that you can make revenue and, like, you could actually have a business and things. So so hold on. If you're going into a business where you have some money that you're funding the business with, of course you should do this, right? This This is just... It's a a cost of starting a business. You should 100% go that way. I was just trying to say, hey, there's a couple different arenas where people might be starting businesses from, and you can't just blanket say, hey, you have to do this. What I'm saying is be aware of this and know when it's time to do it and when it's time to have a discussion about it but know that you have to do it in the future. That's all I'm saying. Right. So we talked about probably the most important aspect from a legal perspective. We talked about traits of what would make a good partner who's a a family member or a a friend – now let's actually talk about some of the business operations, things you should be considering at least from our experience, on you know, operating a business with a family member or a friend. I personally did, believe. Did we cover all the traits that we think are best about? I think we nailed them most of them down. You know, thick-skinned, you know, level of humility, trustworthiness, skill discipline. sets not in the same domain, discipline, consistency. You know, um, I would say we we nailed on the core ones. So now if we go to the operating side of the business, let's say you've, you've gotten in, you've, you've nailed down the buy-sell agreement, the operating agreement, all this stuff, you've, you've picked the right family member or friend to go into business with. Having clear roles and responsibilities for who is doing what on a daily basis is incredibly important. Also, having clear responsibilities for who is doing what to operate the company on a monthly, quarterly, and annual basis is also incredibly important. These in my mind are like the foundations of what you would need to be successful running a family business or a business with a friend. And because the reason why is now that you've got everything situated, all the you know check boxes for, you know, uh, setting yourself as best ahead as possible, picking yes. the right person, all the check boxes making sure that hey, there is a written and agreed to way in writing of how the company is going to operate. Then the next thing is there is a documented and agreed upon roles and responsibilities for who's going to be doing what in the organization, because that removes a lot of the confusion that I think comes and it's it's real easy. Like what, do, to, what do I do? What does Alan do? That's right. a, it's a really good point, especially when you start bringing in employees. That's that's an exercise that you should go through because when people are coming on board, they know what their job is, they know what their job isn't, where their roles and responsibilities and are. And remember the whole thing about being thick skin and like how I said, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. "F you, Curtis." Ah oh, That's one of the benefits of being a you know family member. Um, one of the cons of being a family member is is it is too easy to pull the "F you" card because somebody calls you out on not doing your responsibilities or what they thought you yeah, should be and doing, you don't and you don't like it and then you don't like it yeah right so it's you know like going basically like full blown you know six that's grader. where that's where the humility comes into play and that's where the roles yeah. and responsibilities having those pieces together are so important because They're, let's it, say it, it, it very much is because you're gonna make a mistake at some point I don't care who you are I don't care what you're doing somewhere something is gonna get dropped along the way and you're gonna get called out on it at some at some point or other know how to handle those situations know how to accept the blame know how to remedy the situation and move forward the roles and responsibilities are, are important i want to talk a little bit about the back end part of an operation that i think a lot of people don't really consider when they go into a business and so we talked about what do you need to do from like an operating agreement and a buy sell agreement for your company but you very briefly said something and glanced over it but it's, hey, making sure you're having your actual corporate meetings the way you're supposed to have your corporate meetings based yeah, on, depends your, on what, based on what, your state. If you're an LLC or a corporation. <clears throat> yeah, your corporation type and the state you live in. You need to have a documented like meeting minutes and things of the sort and schedule and stuff like that. But you also need to consider, hey, what are the things we need to be doing to, running our bu- to run our business? There's tax that you have to consider. Like at the end of the year, there's all of your accounting. There's the maybe operational software you need to run your business, invoices, things of the sort. There's all this back-end administration. Oh well, yeah, but now we're talking. So no no no, no, no just, just we're, hold, we're talking hold, business strategy yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, but but there's a whole bunch of there's a whole suite of those things that you have to do to really run your business successfully that's independent of any partner, whether they're family or friends. And that's not making revenue. And so this is one of those things that you also have to consider is what happens when, like, let's hypothetically say you scale a business. Let's say you're making seven plus figures, you're on your way to ten, and let's say you and I are running a floor replacement business. But we, you're out doing all the sales. I'm out doing and I'm all, running this, all the operations. You're the running business. the operations behind the scenes. I'm running the sales. I'm doing all the installs. And in my head, I'm like, dude, I'm doing all the work. What the fuck is Alan doing? And this is the thing that people need to understand. There's two parts to running a business, and you, you can't really. Only do one. You can do one, but the IRS at is going to come. At the detriment of the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can co- the IRS is going to come knocking at your door and you're going to put yourself in a bad spot. Or you could do all this work and then you try to play catch up at the end of the year. Don't do that either. Yeah. Because, I, because I, 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 it's been described to me as basically like you can scale sales, but if you don't scale delivery, whether that's service delivery or product delivery or manufacturing, or whatever, you're going to run into the same problems you're basically going to create so many headaches because you've oversold and you have no ability to you've deliver. You've oversold and underdelivered. delivered yes. Exactly. And so when you talk about both those roles, those roles are twins. They're pair and pair. They go hand in hand. Right? So you need both of them to do very, very well with your business. And I think that that's incredibly important. Um, this, this is operational health of your yeah. business. So what, what's One the of the o- things that I think is also, you know, it, it, it's a really key talking point. And I think that this is going to be circumstantial based off of um, where you're at in the business and whether you started together or whether you're bringing a family member or a friend in. But if you're starting together, like one of the things we've always done is we've always had the same pay. Um, Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. That has removed a lot of um, animosity, but it's also given a lot of ammo that basically says... um, you know there needs to be there needs to be a fair amount of productivity if there is a fair amount of compensation. Fair, fair work for fair pay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that that is important. I think if you're just getting started off, but the other thing that you should also consider too is if you're bringing somebody in after the business has already been operating, you cannot just give a family member or a friend. You cannot overgive them. You cannot treat them differently unless they're. Your, your are you talking about hi- hiring an employee? Yes, as, or as hiring or okay, a family so, member, so or hiring. Let's a- stop. Let's make that our next topic. Yeah. You, you brought up the, the the equal pay thing, so this is actually a really interesting area and an interesting topic that I think we should talk about since we have some experience here. There's going to be some things that are going to cross your mind, or, or they're just going to come up because of just human nature. Okay, you're getting paid the same. And one person at one point in time might be doing more work than the other person. And it's always going to come up as like, oh, I'm doing more work or I'm the glue that holds this thing together or things of the sort. You have to have a consistent stream of communication with people who have a seat at your table where you guys are constantly talking about all the things that you're doing. And this is where the discipline, the consistency that you came in in at the very beginning of the podcast, you talked about – that is really important in this arena talking about this equal pay piece, where if we're all in this, we're getting paid the same because if we're consistently doing the same amount of work over time, it averages out to be equal. But if it's not, then it's lopsided. And then you have to have this conversation where you're going to create animosity. Like, Hey Alan, um, I'm doing 60% of the work and you're only doing 40% of the work, but we're getting paid the same. And you have a conversation of like, Hey, you know, your pay is not going to go down, but the next time our pay goes up, my pay is going to be the one that goes up. You just introduced a fire into your business and your warehouse is on fire right now because you have just created animosity and things of the sort. Now, it might be a little bit different. If say, let's say something in in your business partner's life changed a little bit. And you're like, hey, you know what? That like, there there could be scenarios where that works out. But eventually at some point, it's either going to lead to a person making an exit from the business or a person stepping up. Yeah. If you're founders and you found and you start a company together, and if there's going to be a fair amount of pay, there's going to be, need to be a fair amount of work and output, right? Yes. So let's talk. And and hours and hours work doesn't necessarily mean a fair amount of output. What I mean is we're going to call, um, contribution of productivity to the organization, right? And that's really how you should measure it because, um, something... It, Revenue is important. It ne- any, it's never going to be equal. It should be But equivalent. it should be equivalent and balanced, yeah. right? But that's kind of contradictory because equivalent, equal, right? No, e- but, e- equal is perfection. Equivalent is like these things are kind of the same. So, yeah. um, you know, th- that's a really important note. But now, if you're talking the side that's more nepotism, like you own a business, and you're not talking about bringing in a family member, or you're not talking about hold, bringing in a hold friend on. as an empo- hold on. Uh, there, as there, a there, partner, but you're talking about it as an employee. There's one thing that I think adds an other layer to the previous topic we were talking about, and then let's talk about the family members as, as employees. No, shut up! Don't interrupt me. Fuck. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I, I waited. So to, to I, to I waited until you transition gears, but the Peter Principle. We need to talk about the Peter Principle because that aligns with the potential of a person making an exit. What is you, the Peter Principle, Curtis? The Peter Principle is you reach your own level of incompetence. You may start a business with somebody and you may reach a certain level of success. And then as you go to scale or continue to get success, you basically just hit the edge of your capabilities. And you, I'm not saying that you can't grow anymore, but I'm saying this happens sometimes where people basically like that's their capability level. And for whatever reason, they can't like they can't get past this invisible ceiling to continue to build themselves up as a leader of a company. That can happen if you are in business with a family member or a friend. And the Peter principle, you got to be prepared for if something like that comes up. How do you then handle a scenario like that? And how do you have that conversation with the person? It's going to be a tough conversation to have because you don't want to alienate that person from the business but you also realize like hey if if we're going in this direction and we're going from seven figures in revenue to 10 figures in revenue that's that's single millions to you know tens of millions you might need somebody to step in and take over what their role used to be and also the current state of their role because your business is growing and that might be a threat to that person because they're basically feeling like they're getting replaced but you might just have to find a new role for that person or things. You're going to have to come up with a solution, right? That that has to be a contextually aware situation to your business, right. what's going and on. That's, and sort. I think that that's sort of the challenging piece, you know, with maturity. Mm-hmm. Most businesses are not going to get to that point, though. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, that is an incredibly complicated, multifaceted issue that you have to take into account. History and longevity and, you know... um. You know, a goodwill and so many things that are involved in that in this situation, right? But I say most businesses aren't going to reach that scale, and so really, what it should come down to is, you know, there should be a fair level of and consistent level of productivity and contribution to the company. And that that's just period. That that sh- there shouldn't be need to be a discussion or a consideration like is that the right thing to do? The question should be, okay, what does you know equivalent or what does you know. Um, Fair. Fair. What does that mean to us, right? And and I think that that's a good point. But that that's in founder land. And the other part of this is, I think, when you go to hire people, we I can say this: we have always aimed to hire the smartest and best people we can find, people who are smarter than us, um, very capable, self starters, entrepreneurial. You know, a lot of these things that are in there. Th- these are the types of people that we try to hire. And the reason why that is is because we know if we just hire a bunch of dum dums to headaches. feed our ego, headaches. that's not going to help us at all. And so, if you're considering hiring a family member or a friend to do a job, let me uh, let me let me uh, say this: one, if we removed their name from that resume, if we removed all names from resumes that you were looking at for a position. Would you pick that person? Would you pick that person? If the answer is no, do not hire them. If you're hiring a friend out of goodwill because somebody at church asked you or your wife said, Hey, I know, you know, or they just lost their job. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the deal. No. No. (laughs) Okay? You gotta start thinking like a boss. All right. That's really what it comes down to. How does this affect my bottom line? Period. Exactly. Now, what's really different though about this is if you have a role that you're high turnover and everything else in and you need to give somebody an opportunity to start all the way at the bottom right and prove themselves there's no shame in that game that is the role for a family member or a friend that needs help but what is not a role at least in my experience is any role in the organization which is either critical or important to the operations or the success of the company, you should be removing names, addresses, anything that you could use to personally identify somebody from a resume. Pure and merit. you should be looking at merit and skill set and qualification, and that's how you should be picking for that role. Yeah, 100%. And I, I really think it's important to understand how people learn. If you can assess how somebody learns that you're hiring, that is usually a quality indicator of their ability to continue to to succeed at what that responsibility is and then have the ability to then take on further responsibilities in a different role. Because attitude and mindset is more important than skill set. Yeah. Skill set you can develop. Attitude and mindset, sorry. You can't develop it. Can't develop it. You know, there's the adage of... The individual can develop it. It's very hard to motivate it and get it to where you want it and within a time frame which you feel is acceptable. Yeah, it, motivating people is a, is a skill, but you want people that are self-starters, 110%. Assess how they learn. And to be honest, it's not your job as a business owner to fix people. Okay, now lie to the audience. You okay. said to be honest. It's slightly. your job to, to unfuck people's problems. <laughs> well, if you're a service-based business, that yeah. might be true. You just, <laughs> two truths and a lie. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Alan's bald. Alan's wearing a blue shirt. Two truths and two lies. You fu- Curtis follows instructions <laughs> very well. You said two truths. Oh, two truths and a lie. I was like, two <laughs> lies and a truth. And I'm he has laughing. the math degree, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, any hey, other listen, topics here that you feel like are important when we're on the conversation of being in business with family and friends? Uh... People are always going to want to give you their advice. Fuck that. (laughs) You can listen to what they're saying, but you need to give yourself the time to think. You know what you need to do. Don't chase all the things you need to do all the time. Chase what's the most important and what's causing you grief at that point in time. Get those things done. Come up for air and spend a little bit of time thinking. Because you'll find that the things you think you need to do all don't, the time. don't need to do them. There's only a few of them that you actually need to be doing. And if you give yourself the time to think, you can come to some of these conclusions that we've talked about here on this episode where we're, we're telling you these things based on our experience. Well, guess what? You're going to have your own experience too, and you can come to your own conclusions, and they might be slightly different than ours. Hopefully they're not wildly different than ours but uh you're going to be able to derive what you think is the way to run your business but if you don't give yourself the time to think all bad and so when you're talking about being in business with a family member or a friend think about the traits that they have like we discussed earlier think about the operations of the organization and getting that on paper thinking about what are the day-to-day responsibilities monthly and quarterly and annual responsibilities and then, like Curtis just said, also giving yourself time to think—that's really good point to wrap this thing up and end it. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you're if you're starting a business and you're hustling and you're doing all the work during the day, and then you're doing the operational stuff at night, this is just a quick tidbit that popped in my head. Don't send your invoices out at night. I'm sorry, not your invoice. Don't send your proposals or your bids out at night. Yeah, check them down in the morning. Check that's them, that's check that, them that's down down just generally good business advice for yes. entrepreneurs that has nothing to do with family members or friends. But with that said, thank you very much for watching watching, watching, watching the Wack Attack podcast. I'm going to interrupt Alan because he <laughs> can't finish. Blah, 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 and uh, I think that two truths and a lie are two lies and a truth. This is the Wack Attack podcast. I'm Curtis. That's Alan. You've been Wack Attacked. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs>